Hi everyone, welcome to Football Anya. It is time for a preview podcast of Group C at Euro 2020. It is really arriving now, a tournament, isn't it? So thank you for joining us if you're watching us live, or thank you for joining us if you're watching this or listening to this days after. This is available on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, the usual places for Football Anya listeners. If you haven't been checking these things out, there's loads of things on our website at the minute. There's loads of articles going up, previewing the tournament. There's loads of YouTube videos going up, podcasts of the tournament, match reactions to each of the games. So if you're new to Football Dania or you don't know our full catalogue, go and check all those things out. Now, if you're one of the loyal Football Dania fans, make sure you give us a like right now on the stream and subscribe if you're new, if you don't know what we do in Football Dania. Of course, we're Dutch football news in English language. We've got some different guests in here today. We've got Lee from the other Bundesliga, the Austrian um, football page for uh, Austrian news in English. We've got Andrew here from Zoya Londonsk. Um, I might have said that awfully wrong, but he is a Ukrainian football expert again in English. And we've got Alexander, who's known on Twitter as at Macedonian Footy, and he is representing North Macedonia tonight. And we've got Mike, of course, you know him. He's the Football Danny founder. We're all here to have a bit of a, a chat, I suppose, about, about the group that we're in. Um, it's one that many seem to think is one of the easier groups at the tournament, but I'm sure we'll have plenty to say about that. And it, of course, at the Euros, the top two teams will go through. The third place team may well go through as well. So there's lots to discuss with who we think the favourites are. And I think we'll start with Lee. How are Austria looking going to this tournament? Well, on paper, you'd have to say it's uh, it's a fairly positive situation. They've got a, a fairly decent team. Some of these players are, are playing for the the best clubs in the German Bundesliga, or or even in the case of David Alaba, you know, for Real Madrid. So you'd think that that they'd have a, a relatively good chance, especially you know in in a, in a group where three teams can go through. But the situation is a little bit more nuanced than that. They've got a coach who is desperately unpopular who, despite having the best winning percentage of any Austria coach in history, um, plays a really sort of cagey and defensive and, and boring to watch style of football. And recently, results have turned as well. In March, they lost 4-0 to Denmark in a World Cup qualifier. I think their biggest ever home qualifying defeat. Um, and over the last few games in the, in the pre-Euro 2020 friendlies, they have failed to score a goal in each of their last three games as well. So I think that the mood is one of uh, pessimism from the Austria camp going into the, going into the tournament. And that also stems from the fact that five years ago, they, they breezed through qualifying only to finish bottom of a group with uh, Iceland, Portugal and Hungary. So I think it's a, it's a bit of a pessimistic outlook from the general public here in Austria. Thanks, Lee. And I've just had a comment actually in live from Anthony. He says that Austria are very poor against my native Scotland. Um, and that we also know what it's like as, as Dutch football fans to know that having a, an unpopular coach, um, Mike, Frank de Boer's manager, and I guess it compares in a very similar way, doesn't it? And it's, it's going to be a massive impact for the Netherlands too, having him in charge. Yeah, I think that we can all say that a year ago when Koeman was in charge, you know, the Netherlands were getting talked about as one of the one of the favourites for the tournament. And now a lot of pundits are now putting us forward as the, the team that's going to have the biggest disaster. And the one biggest change in the last year is the fact that you know, Frank de Boer is now in charge. You know, the team hasn't really changed. The fact that Van Dijk's out, you've still got De Vrij and Licht in there. So that's not in pity of that too much. And um, the biggest change is the coach. And I think we're all worried that after a series of gas and, and recent weeks from de Boer himself, that the, the tournament could just be a 
a walking disaster. And I think everyone's just looking at it and everyone's waiting for them to, to slip up going into this tournament just because they've now got him in charge. And Andrew, one of the biggest surprises this tournament could be Ukraine. And they're heavily tipped at the moment to be better than Netherlands in Group C. What's the state of play there? I heard that Andrei Shashenko is, is a manager. Yeah, well, he's been in charge since 2016. Um, he had a poor start to his managerial career. Um, Ukraine finished third in their 2018 World Cup qualifying group. But since then, it's been relatively positive rise and trajectory. Finished top of their Nations League B um, group in 2018. Unprecedented um, and very surprising top spot win in Euro qualifying. Um, finishing top in a group with European Championship holders, Portugal, beating them at home in Kiev and um, drawing 0-0 away in, in uh, Lisbon and also getting a massive and quite famous result um, against Serbia. Um, since then, obviously, you know, there was a lot of hopes that Ukraine could ride that momentum into 2020, but as has been the delay, certain players within the camp, the manager himself, think it's a negative, you know, obviously, the fact that results um, since haven't been as positive as that 2019 campaign. But in my opinion, I think that it's actually prepared Ukraine better to face against these better sides with a Nations League A campaign under their belt in 2020 autumn, where they face the likes of Germany, uh, Spain, Switzerland, and also faced France twice. Um, this year, it's been a bit of a been a bit of a weird one. Um, Ukraine is still unbeaten, having played six games. They drew all three of their World Cup qualifiers in March, one all, one against France, great result, then against Finland and Kazakhstan. So there were slight questions being raised then. And then following that, Ukraine have probably been the earliest team to start their Euro preparation and probably the team that have had the longest preparation in total. I think today or tomorrow it's coming up to about three weeks or by the time the tournament starts, so Ukraine will have had a whole month of preparing since they sort of the main core of the squad linked up together. Um, they drew one of their first matches, one all with Bahrain, that friendly. Everyone was like, wow, what the hell's this? Because obviously Bahrain aren't that, that great. Um, but they were missing the big key men. Then wins against Northern Ireland, 1-0, and a, sort of a 4-0 hammering over Cyprus has meant that, you know, relatively positive going into the tournament, morale-wise, but I guess in general from those friendlies, we don't know exactly the state of play that the team is in. Mm, and um, Mike, just touching upon the fact that... Um that Ukraine have got have got all this togetherness. They've got a long time coming into this tournament, and they've prepared a long time for the tournament. Whereas the Bulls been playing a five three two. He played it against Italy a while ago, but hasn't for months since then. And it's been only two weeks before the Euros that he's deciding to play a completely different formation. Yeah, and the formation hasn't looked good in two warm up games against Scotland and Georgia. So um, it's not looking good going into what in my opinion, is the most crucial game of the group for the Netherlands. They've got to get through Ukraine to start off well. Um, if it's a, a bad result to start it, the pressure then increases. The, the media will then hound on the Netherlands, hound on De Boer, 
ask him to change everything. And I think if they got a bad result against Ukraine, you'd see them quickly going to to four three three um, for the next game after that. So I think a lot rides on this this first game for Netherlands. And yeah, um, it's the one that I'm feeling most pessimistic about at the moment is this game against Ukraine because they have the players to to hurt. Netherlands, you know, if you're giving away chances and goals against Scotland and chances against Georgia, you know, Ukraine, Austria and even North Macedonia have the have the players that can punish you. And, you know, Netherlands just aren't going into this tournament in any sort of confident form. Might use the word even there, even North Macedonia. Now, Alexander, um, introduce us to the word North Macedonia. We're the team that we, we know the least about, I suspect. And um, having followed you on Twitter for a little while, I can, I can see that the optimism is starting to brew over North Macedonia. Well, we, we did play, we did face the Netherlands about a decade ago. So I think Dutch fans do know us. I mean, back in 08 and 09, we had Pandev who was still playing. We faced the Netherlands. And you guys in that qualifying group, you won out of 14, you won 12, and then you drew against us twice. And then one of the draws, we followed up by losing to Andorra. And that was one of the problems with the team, the mentality is they would get up to face Netherlands, England. Uh, Italy, Spain, and then they would kind of not show up against Andorra or the smaller side. So that was one of the problems. So the new coach, unlike Austria and the Netherlands, where you have a lot of pessimism, the coach, everybody loves him. The fans love him. The players love him. The only people that don't love him are the FIFAMO, the federation leadership. He's got some issues there, some drama off the field. It has nothing to do with the performances, just more some, there's some kind of bad blood between the president and the, the coach, the kind of who gets credit. So so that, that drama kind of has moved on, but the players love them, the fans love them, so everybody is optimistic. And as far as the friendlies go, we played Slovenia and Kazakhstan. Slovenia, 1-1 draw. They got a late equalizer, Kazakhstan, 4-0 win. So the optimism, the optimism is good. And frankly, the way I look at it is the players have no pressure. So if they go into the group stage and lose all three games, they're going to say, oh, you're the outsider. You're the lowest ranked of the FIFA-ranked teams. If you lose all three, that's fine. But if they win, if they surprise, then frankly – they will be hailed as heroes. So, frankly, I, I view the team in a positive mindset. I think the players should be positive. They have nothing to lose. Just go there, be relaxed, have no nerves. All the pressure is on Austria, Netherlands, and Ukraine, frankly, especially Austria and Netherlands, because their coaches, in a way, I mean, they're like dead man walking. If they if they don't perform well, they're going to get fired after a tournament. So, frankly, there's no pressure. Just be free and loose, be relaxed, and just do your best. <laughs> Thanks, Alexander. Now, there was actually a comment just coming from Matai and saying about North Macedonia, um, that the manager's going to be great and, and there's a key player there, Elmas. Um, and, and yeah, there's, there's a comment here from Anthony saying about, about Malik Malinovsky. Could be, could be good. And a comment here, I don't know if you can read Ukrainian, um, Andrew, but I definitely he says don't. He says, good evening, Andrew. Oh, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, well, it's, it's it's interesting everyone's point of view, and that there's there's sort of two teams going it pessimistically and two teams optimistically with sort of nothing to lose, I suppose. Um, but what what how do you guys feel about it? Do, what are the expectations for you all? Like, do do you think you're gonna take on the Netherlands, or or, or do you think that it's all about finishing second? I mean, well, I'm I'll start if if, if that's all right. Yeah, um, go for it. Yeah. I mean, generally, I think there is sort of a more measured take across the media in Ukraine as to following, as I've mentioned, these sort of recent results. There's not really a real gauge as to where Ukraine are at. And it's definitely a far cry since 2019 when they were sort of hailed as world beaters. But in my opinion, I'm sort of quietly confident that Ukraine um, have got 
what it takes. I mean, the Netherlands are going to be playing at home. They've got added pressure. They've got a few key injuries to key players. So far, Ukraine's squad is more or less as good as it can get um, in terms of personnel. No injuries there so far. And Who you are know, your key players, by the way? Well, we can go with Malinovsky, as um, that comment mentioned there before. I think he's also my fantasy team. But um, he's been sort of, he's been like Atlanta's best player. Um, Atlanta's best player in Syria towards the end of the season. He got, I think, 16 goals or assists in his um, final 12 appearances across all competitions there. So, you know, and he was voted Atlanta's player of the month three months in a row. And um, so we're hoping that he can continue that form going into the summer. Um, he's got a map, he's got a really sort of strong left peg on him. Um, great at creating chances, assisting, and also a bit of a set piece specialist from corners and free kicks when it comes to them. And then obviously the one that everyone probably knows the most, uh, Alexander Zinchenko, um, a left pack in the Premier League, but for Ukraine, he's very much a box-to-box central midfielder. Mm. Um, and you'll be able to see sort of the positives of working with Pep there because of his um, defensive capabilities that he's honed in on and improved over the years under his tutelage. Um, he's also combined that with his previous attack-minded, you know, early years, and it's sort of works really well and um, especially against Cyprus okay not the best gauge because they were playing against 10 men for over 45 minutes um, so that 4-0 went slightly flattering um, but he was like first game back he's completely switched off from the disappointment in the UCL final and looks raring to go and turn some heads especially because he's usually quite understated you know overlooked in the Man City team. Mm. And, and Lee, I suppose Austria are one of the other teams that could be considered um, favourable to get through. But uh, Ukraine and Austria both share the record of, of not having won in the Euros before. I hope that the record is... Yeah, yeah. No, and, um, Ukraine have won. They just, yeah, um, they've won one game. You've never got out of the group six. stage, I think yes. it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Whereas I think Austria haven't won a game, I think is correct. Yeah, Austria haven't won a game at a major tournament for around 30 years. So they really do need <laughs> to get, get that... Uh, monkey off their back uh, as soon as possible in terms of the euros they've hosted it uh, co-hosted it in 2008 they didn't get through the group and then of course the the disastrous tournament i mentioned uh, earlier in 2016 where you know they finished bottom of a group where the top three places would have got you through that was really regarded as a as a disaster so austria really need to hit the ground running and to, to relieve some of that pressure i think you know mike mentioned a little while ago about how important the first game is for Netherlands against Ukraine. From Austria's point of view, the game against North Macedonia is critical because if they get a win over North Macedonia, then the, the mood relaxes, the pressure is off a little bit. They've got two games where they probably need one more point to be sure of, of going through. And that would put them in a great position, give them a great chance to get through and, and finally get that Euros win that they've been after for, for a long time. If they lose or get a draw against North Macedonia, then the pressure goes up another notch. You know, the coach and the players will really come under a lot of criticism. And then the game against the Netherlands, which I believe is the second game, is, is going to be so, so much riding on it. So, yeah, I think hitting the ground running is is the, the key message for Austria. They need to win the first game. Mm. Uh, and Mike, how do you see the first game going against Ukraine? 
you'd hope it'd be a, a positive one if there's going to be fans in there or Dutch fans in there creating a good atmosphere you think that the players would be well up for it and you hope that the formation wouldn't hinder them but I think there's going to be nerves there you know for a lot of these players it's their first time in a major tournament and there could be a few few nerves in there and if they don't play 100% at their best then Ukraine say for instance take the lead like Scotland did against the Netherlands then you know, the hit players' heads could drop, the pressure could get on, the fans could get on their, their backs. Um, so, for me, I'm trying to be positive about it and say that, you know, everyone's going to breeze for this group, but I just can't can't see it. And you know, I hope I'm wrong and that it's the first comfortable win to start off with. Um, but, I mean, just going back to, to De Boer, he's given Shevchenko the absolute perfect um, weapon to use against us by... Like going on a TV show and saying that everyone's going to beat Ukraine three-one, and I think she said this week that you know, it, you know, he's, he's commented on it. So he just has to say to his players, "Look, they think they're going to beat us easily. Let's go out and show them." And then that's the team talk done. And I think that they'll they'll thrive on that. And I think that them being the sort of party papers in Amsterdam will be tough. And um, he's got to hope that. Somebody like Memphis steps up. Frankie De Jong puts in some good form and the defence stays steady. Um, defence wasn't steady against Scotland and Georgia, so that's the worry. And, you know, Frankie De Jong didn't have two great games in the warm-up games and he might be a bit tired after the season he's had. So a lot rides on Memphis. He's going to be the, the key man. So if he isn't performing against Ukraine or if Ukraine mark him well, then everyone's going to struggle. Well- one of the key things that, that I, I think the Netherlands will, will need to grip onto is that the, the squad unity is, is massive. I've, I've gone on a few podcasts now and I've said this, that it's, it's, this is the thing that will carry through this tournament. The players are together. They, they probably don't appreciate having De Boer's coach. They're going to listen to him. They're going to put their max in for their country, though, and they'll see what comes out of it. They're being forced to play this formation they're not, they're not too familiar with. They were better against Georgia than they were against Scotland. So maybe the formation is starting to bed in a little bit, but the lack of preparation isn't going to serve them well for the tournament as a whole. Coming up against Ukraine, they give away the same amount of chances that against Georgia. Yeah, it's going to be a massive, massive problem. But the players all care and they're so passionate. Val Vechel scored his first international goal uh, the other day. And and this passion towards the Netherlands crowd was amazing to see. But the guy's going to start up top with Memphis Depay. And I, I think every Dutch football fan knows how passionate Memphis is. And how well he plays for his country too. What a key player he's going to be. I think he could be really important in this group. And I, I wonder if there's any defences that, that can handle him. Yeah, I think that what annoys me is that obviously living in, in Britain is that the previews of the Netherlands, whenever they speak about Memphis, it's always about his time at Manchester United. And oh, look, he's, he's actually a good player. And we've known that for years. He has had a, a sticky spell in, in Manchester and the past season he's been on fire for Leon. He's about to get moved to, to Barcelona. And for Netherlands, he's unrivaled as the key man, creator, goal scorer, everything. Um so if you're looking at somebody that wants to be in your fantasy team and it might be a top goal scorer, then then Memphis is a man to, to go for. He takes out of free kicks, he takes penalties, you know, he's the he's the main man for up front for Netherlands. So he's the one that I'm I'm counting on to get us us through this group. Alexander, like, how 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 do you see it then? Looking at the other three teams now, are you licking your lips? Are you looking forward to it? Uh, and and what are the strengths of the North Macedonian team coming up against um, a defensive-minded Austria, Ukraine, and and the Netherlands? 
No, this group, like like I said, I'm glad we weren't in Group F. If, in Group F, if I, <laughs> I, I kind of feel for Hungary. I feel for Hungary. But this group is absolutely doable. And everybody, what you guys have said is the reason why I feel that way. Lee talked about all the pressure on Austria and their coach. You guys talk about all the pressure on Netherlands and the board. Then Ukraine, you look at Ukraine, their history at the Euros is not very good. So when you look at Austria and Ukraine, they typically struggle on the big stage. Netherlands, they kind of have questions with how are the players going to respond to their coach. So this group, to me, I think you're going to see a lot of chaos. I think you're going to see a lot of carnage. I think it wouldn't shock me if the group, uh, whoever wins the group, has five points or six points. I don't think anybody's going to win all three games. I really don't. I don't. I don't see that happening. So frankly, the mood is positive. And as far as which, uh, as far as the players and who's, who are the key players, I would say Pandev obviously is the one. It's always a key player. He's still, I mean, he's almost 38, but he's still very effective. Very, he's got a, the left foot is not going anywhere. I mean, that left foot is still deadly for him. And he's a great passer. So you got Pandif, you got Ilmas. He's always somebody, he doesn't play much at Napoli, but he always brings it for national team. He's a great dribbler. He gave Kazakhstan all kind of fits. So Pandif, Ilmas, Bardi. Bardi just recovered from COVID. So he may not be 100% physically, but he'll have, he'll have about a week to get ready. And he's a great free kick taker. He's also somebody who takes corner kicks and he provides great service. So Bardi and then Ademi is probably the unsung hero. He's another midfielder. He's somebody who is capable of getting a goal or an assist. So if, if you're looking for a fantasy option, somebody that you can get at a good price, I would say Ariana Ademi would be the guy. And then obviously another great option would be Alioski because he's a left back. So technically he's a defender but he's also the penalty kick taker. So I think Alioski certainly is capable of maybe having an assist and converting a penalty if we get a penalty. So I would say those are the five key players, Pandev, Elmas, Bardi, Ademi, and Alioski. And how do you guys feel about that, Leandri? How do you feel about looking at North Macedonia? I mean, the, the problem with Ukraine is that they usually perform quite well against the bigger sides and then end up slipping up against the the slightly smaller sides, as I've mentioned this year. I mean, they pulled out a great one-all performance against France and then followed it up with a draw against Finland and um, couldn't beat Kazakhstan or Bahrain. So, I mean... I, I'm wor I'm kind of worried about that just because I, it's, there's something about the mentality of Ukraine of Ukraine's teams in the past that, for whatever reason, against the the slightly weaker teams, it it comes unstuck sometimes. And if we're gonna, you know, delve delve a bit deeper into that, um, this is the second game of Ukraine's tournament because I think it's match day two, and Ukraine typically have got some sort of second game syndrome is the term I sort of coined um, where they, for whatever reason, just can't, can't knack it on day two. But I think it's all going to depend on how day one goes and sort of the, what's riding on it. But yeah, slightly, slightly pessimistic in, in that respect. <laughs> yeah. North Macedonia is a difficult one because obviously the Netherlands is a massive name in international football. I feel like Ukraine and Austria could be fairly evenly uh, matched. With North Macedonia, I'm just really wary because Austria have previous, I think one of the Faroe Islands' first ever wins came against Austria. It's, just kind of, it's a kind of disaster etched into the national psyche, really. It's called Lands Corona. People talk about it all the time. Five years ago as well, they lost to Iceland. Um, so I think we have to be wary of going up against sides who are so-called smaller names. And, you know, North Macedonia beat Germany in March. Uh, I remember seeing Alexander's Twitter account 
going absolutely mad at the time. It was, it was obviously a massive moment in Macedonian football history. And so I think Austria have to have a lot of respect for North Macedonia. They've got to this tournament and, and they deserve to be there. So if they, they, they do need to win the first game, but if they go in assuming that they're going to win it, I think they're going to come unstuck very quickly. Can I respond to that? And Lee makes a great point. And also, this this game against Austria is also our, our players are looking at it as revenge because back in 2019, we were in the same group for Euro 2020 qualifying. And Austria came into our place and beat us 4-1. And since the coach has been in charge since late 2015, that was the worst showing that we've had by far. It's not even close. I mean, they came in and they just absolutely destroyed us. So I think the players now have a chance exactly two years later to kind of get a chance to get revenge against Austria. So I think they're looking forward because we've talked to the players and they all say, you know, they don't they don't forget that game. They don't forget that game when basically Austria came in and beat us 4-1 and that could have been 8-1. The goalkeeper was actually having a good game. And you're like, how can you have a good game? Four goals conceded. But no, if, if you didn't have a good game, that would have been 8-1, 9-1. I mean, it was ugly. So I think the players want this game for revenge. And I think the first game, I mean, again, all these teams, they spend months preparation for the first game. It's the most important one. You get off to a good start, the pressure kind of lessens, and then you can basically approach it. The last two, you just need one. Get four points and you're through. But if you lose the first one, then everything kind of unravels. So the first game is the most important. I think the players are also using it as, as a chance to get revenge on Austria. <laughs> the comment actually came in from, from someone <laughs> watching live. He's scared of Panda. <laughs> no, I mean, there's a reason to it. He's still good. He's still good. I mean... He's not going to be able to play 90 minutes three times in eight days, but he can give you 60, 65 minutes. He's a great passer. That's one thing he has. He has vision, positioning. So he's not he's not the great, you know, in terms of his stamina, but in terms of passing, movement, dribbling, he still gets it done. So he's somebody who he always releases. Elmas, the faster guy, so he's not fast anymore, but he's the one that kind of makes those breakthrough pass, passes to create big chances. Pandev is still very good. And a comment came in as well about, about Austria. Austria is a team I'm least worried about. North Macedonia beat Germany just so organised and tough. And so they've got nothing to lose. Lee, and I've got to tell you, at the minute, I, I'd bet Austria to finish bottom of the group. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a prediction that, that you know, brings, uh, you know, makes me feel good, but I, I can see it <laughs> happening. I really can. Um, it happened It happened five years ago. And, you know, as I said earlier, it's that, that first game, that first game is crucial. Um, even, even, a draw against North Macedonia would be regarded by the Austrian press as, you know, as a disappointment. Then the Netherlands game. And I think one thing we haven't mentioned yet about the Netherlands is that they do have home advantage, which is, you know, is something that, that shouldn't be overlooked. So Austria have got to go to Amsterdam between their two games in, in Bucharest and, and then the, the pressure's on and, and the Ukraine, the Ukraine game is, is the, the very last one. And, you know, I spoke to Andrew about that, just yesterday and listening to to some of the talented players, you know, um, excuse the pronunciation here, Malinovsky and, and, and Zinchenko and some of those guys, I, I just, I, I really do fear a little bit at the moment. And I'm hoping that, you know, my fears don't come true because five years ago I was very optimistic and then it all went south. So I figure going into this one with low expectations and, and, and maybe we'll get a surprise. <laughs> I mean, well, there's someone watching live who thinks actually with Frank Bo in charge, you can actually see the Netherlands finish in front of the group. <laughs> this group can really turn upside down very quickly. <laughs> um, I, mean, I mean, if if I can add, um, of course. Basic, basically, um, this this tournament, I think we've already mentioned some of the managers that is make or break for them. Um, like, there's the pressure on, you know, Sturger and De Boer, but. 
um Broder, sorry uh Foda I, I keep forgetting I keep mixing him up for the Austria um however uh Shevchenko's actually got a lot riding on this himself because obviously this is his big you know first major tournament mm. as a manager he got the Ukraine job um just straight out from you know his first ever job he, he was the assistant at um Euro 2016 when Ukraine finished bottom of the group um zero goals in uh, and zero points like i think they finished bottom of like the entire tournament um so there's a lot to build on in that and also shevchenko's got a lot of um, ambitions to become a club manager and i think he wants to um eventually manage milan and you know chelsea who who knows but you know he's been linked with all these sort of things over the over the past year or so and you know if he doesn't perform well in this tournament that is definitely going to hinder his probably future career chances in that respect probably not his like legendary status as a player and even sort of the things that he's achieved so far but sort of his legacy as Ukraine manager all rides on these next three games which um team do you guys all fear the most then <laughs> I'll start for me believe it or not I think Austria to me scares me the most out of all these teams I really do I would say Austria to me. I wish they didn't open against Austria, but they have a lot of talent. I mean, when you look at Arnutovic, Kalajdzic, Alaba, Sabitzer, and again, with the mood in Austria being kind of down on the coach, maybe that's a positive for them. Maybe they're like, you know what, the mood is negative. Among the fans, they don't expect much, and then they just come out and they just guns are blazing. So I think Austria, for me, scares me the most. Out of, I actually would much rather face Netherlands right now than Austria, to be honest with you. <laughs> Yeah, for me, it's uh, I would reciprocate that. It's, it's North Macedonia, I think. That may be partly to do with the, the scheduling, the fact it's the first fixture. But yeah, I just it's it's North Macedonia to me is an unknown quantity. You know, I've I've watched Netherlands, I've watched Ukraine. I know what the key players are like, and I've I've taken a little bit of heart from from what um, you guys have said about the the Netherlands manager as well um, from this conversation. But but North Macedonia, I know virtually nothing about them other than they beat Germany in March and they've got some some pretty good players so I would say North Macedonia is is my team to fear at the moment yeah and well I already mentioned it earlier um, North Macedonia being game number two and the fact that I think well whenever Ukraine have played North Macedonia in the past the games have been relatively tight and Ukraine just have this thing against those um, smaller nations and Hopefully it doesn't come up this time round, but has every chance to. And look, there's a difference between when you're a favorite and when you're an underdog. When you're an underdog, basically you have no pressure. You can just play do your best. And one thing that about this team, the strength is their unity. They get along off the field and they get along on the field. So they're 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 gonna fight for one another. They're gonna suffer for one another. And unlike Netherlands, Ukraine, or also Austria, which these players are used to playing in big leagues, our players, we have a couple that play in Italy, Spain, but only a couple. You have a lot of players who play in the Croatian League, who play in the Hungarian League. And these are players, this is their first time playing on a big stage. Now you have all the scouts watching. So this is basically their opportunity to make a better life for them and their families. So I think that you can't ignore that. Their fight, their motivation. I don't think anybody's going to be more motivated than our players in this group. I really don't. Well, that's why I think that Ukraine... Uh, for example, uh, are the team that I fear the most because they are in a similar boat to North Macedonia in that they want to try and go far in the tournament, but it will be a surprise and they're going to be wanting to beat the Netherlands. That's why I, I'd fear them because then it would uh, risk the Netherlands finishing top of the group. And 
trying to go far in the competition. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I'm the same. Um, mainly because it is the first game as well, but Ukraine's the one that scares me the most because if that goes wrong, then it could all go downhill from there. And going back on the fact that Netherlands have home advantage, um, I think a lot of Dutch people would rather this game was played in Rotterdam um, and Netherlands actually had a camp in Rotterdam because the Kuip Stadium has a much better record when the national team plays there than they do in, in Amsterdam. If you look over the last few years, there's been a few bad results when Netherlands play in Amsterdam, so it's not exactly a, a fortress that these teams are coming to either. It's, it's a bit sticky, whereas if it's the Kuip, then I'd be feeling a bit more confident about home advantage. But yeah, get the first game out of the way. If, if it's a positive result for Netherlands, then you can look at okay, we just need to win one more game and you're probably going to top the group. Because, um, you know, you can all do those Euro predictor charts and see who you get in the, the last 16 and hopefully you get a good draw from that. Because if everyone's getting a, a favourable draw in the, the last 16, then you're looking at somebody like Turkey or Denmark in the quarterfinals and that's one of those as well. So whoever actually tops this group, if they get a favourable last 16 draw, could... Could head to the, the semi-finals if they if they play well. So it's there's a lot riding on who tops this group. What I wanted to do was I actually wanted to get your guys' predictions for each of the games. There's only six of them, and I, I thought it'd be a bit of fun and see where we all end up, uh, and and just go with this comment here. I, thanks for my time for commenting again. He's, he's since watching I've got quite a lot. I, actually, quite fun. A little bit sad for the Netherlands. Everyone in this group, as it looks now, can actually beat each other. I agree Agreed. with that. I agree with that statement. I think I think everybody's capable of beating everybody, and that's gonna make the group fascinating. Yeah. You can say it's the weakest group, but I think it's gonna be a fascinating group. Anything can happen. Literally, I could see us finishing first or fourth, and I can say that about every other country in this group. <laughs> so, I what, what Finland, we... Finland, Slovakia, Russia—that group has the the token of the worst group. I think. I think this one's got some quality in it, at least. Okay, I think it's a, it's a debate, but I, I I can see that. No problem. <laughs> Let's let's start with with Austria versus North Macedonia then. Andrew, what do you reckon? Oh, I'm always one for a bit of fairy tales in football. Um, so I'll go two one North Macedonia. I think they'll get some you know some boost, and there's going to be some sort of crazy story this this tournament. And I think North Macedonia might be it. <laughs> Lee. Yeah, I can see that. I think they're the, the lowest team in the FIFA rankings in the in the tournament are like sixty-two or something. But I can see the fairy tale as well. Um I would I, I I'm gonna go with what Andrew said there, two one. I, I figure it's like a, a jinx thing. If I say something bad's gonna happen, it won't. But uh, I can see can see two one as well. And Alexander? No, I think when I when this fixture was first announced, I thought this game had 2-1 written all over it as well. I'm just not sure who's going to win the 2-1 because it could be Austria, it could be us. But that, this game, to me, has 2-1 written all over it. I just want our players to test that Austrian keeper. You know, he had a good season at Watford, but this is going to be his third cap for Austria. His first two came in the recent friendly. So basically, you want to test the keeper, see if he's nervous and anything. But I think this one does have 2-1 written all over it. I'm still not ready to make a prediction right now because I got to see if anybody gets COVID between now and Sunday. I'll make a prediction on Saturday, but it's going to be 2-1 for somebody. No question about it. What about you, Mike? I'm going to say it's a, a very entertaining 2-2 draw. Pandev turns up in the 90th minute to rescue. Oh, yeah, if he, if he <laughs> plays to the 90th minute to rescue a point from North Macedonia. I think it'll be an entertaining game anyway. Um, how about uh, Netherlands versus Ukraine? Should we go again in the same order, Andrew, do you reckon? 
It's it's the opening game. I've been waiting for this game for about since no, no December 2019. Um, I'm just hoping for something positive. Not many goals in Ukraine matches recently. 1-0 Ukraine. <laughs> blind blind confidence. <laughs> yeah, I just you, mentioned that, that Ukraine seems to do a lot of 1-1 draws. I could see this one ending in a 1-1 in a draw, so I'll go 1-1. For me, I'm going to say I, I kind of like 1-1 one, one draw or maybe 1-2 Ukraine because the Netherlands is conceding a lot of chances and I watched the Georgia friendly and you guys did concede quite a few chances and Ukraine is a lot more clinical. So I'm thinking that one, either 1-1 one, one or 1-2 one, Ukraine. And yeah, I'm going to go for it. It's going to be a meltdown in the Netherlands because it's going to finish 1-1. Finish one, one. Um, and then, as I said, Brandenburg is going to swiftly change back to 4-3-3 three, three to try and save his job. I don't think a draw is a bad result for the Netherlands in that first game if they play fairly well. I think that it's it's not a bad result to take. Although, yes, obviously they want to be beating Ukraine. I think if it was the last 16 and all one of the knockout rounds, a drawing with Ukraine and going to extra time penalties, I think you'd take it trying, trying to get past them. Um, but that's, that's a compliment to Ukraine, I think, more than anything at the moment. Um, Ukraine, Macedonia, second round. Andrew? Oh, um tough one to be honest because it's probably going to ride on how the first game finishes but seeing as I predicted 1-0 to Ukraine to finish the first game um, I think Ukraine are going to build on a bit of momentum and 2-1 against uh, North Macedonia Lee I will back Ukraine for this one I think um, I'll say 2-1 for me, Ukraine is a more physical team, so that game concerns me a little more. I'm thinking that game either 1-0 Ukraine or 1-1 draw. Mm -hmm. I'm Mike. Yeah, I'm thinking Ukraine to win this one. Um, I'll go 1-0 Ukraine. And then that means we've got Netherlands uh, against Austria. Andrew, what do you think? Oh, difficult one. Um just because I feel that Lee is slightly more pessimistic than you two, um, <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go one nil Netherlands. Frank de Boer yeah. just saving his uh, his teeth um, before the final match day. Yeah, so I think that both of these teams, you know, have, have predicted that they won't win their their opening game, and so I think there's going to be a lot riding on it. I can see it being quite cagey. Uh, with one of the teams ending up getting, say, a 2-1 win. But I'm not sure which way it's going to go. I think this is the one that is, is too difficult for me to call right now. Yeah, for me, a lot of it is going to come down to how Netherlands and Austria fare in the first game. But I think you're going to see an odd score in this game. I think whoever lost in the first round, they're going to be kind of deflated a little bit. So you could see an odd score in this one. It could be something like 3-1 for somebody, 4-1. But I think you're going to see a very odd-looking score here. <laughs> I'm going to go a bit more positive and I'm going to say 2-0 say Netherlands. And um, this is the one that they, they reignite their hopes. And then going to the last round, the Netherlands have a have their tie against North Macedonia. And it's it's the one on paper you'd say it's one that Netherlands um, is the most winnable. And whether it depends, you know, are they going to be finishing top or whether they're actually winning to try and stay in the competition. It, it, could, it could be massive. Uh, I think every game is going to have something riding on it. I don't see it all being decided after a couple of games, which you can see sometimes. Oh, it's it's a tough one. Um, 
I mean, I think more I predicted uh, North Macedonia to win the first match. And I mean, I think potentially that three points might still be enough to go through anyway. And I just feel that, you know, with Depay on the side and, you know, just looking at their recent fixtures where, you know, against Georgia, um, against against um, Scotland as well, he's probably going to pull something out of the bag there and maybe 2-1 to uh, Netherlands. I am going to back this to be one of the shock results of the tournament. I'm going to say North, <laughs> North Macedonia 2, Netherlands nil. Sorry, guys. Based on what Lee said, look, I mean, this game, it's tough to predict now because it's going to really depend on how the first two rounds go. I mean, what do the teams have to play for in the third and final match day? So let's say if we enter with four points, then I could see a draw. If we enter with zero points, then it could be Netherlands winning big. So it just, it's tough to say now because we don't know how the first two will go. But if I have to make a prediction, yeah. I, I do think we'll score our goals, maybe 1-1 or 2-1 Netherlands, something like that. But it's going to come down to really what do the teams have to play for in the final matches. So it's tough to say right now. But I'll say if I have to pick 1-1 draw, maybe 2-1 Netherlands. Yeah, I love it for, for Netherlands coming in this game to, to give a few key players a better rest um, after winning their first two games easily. But I can't see it. Um but yeah, I've got to go for a Netherlands win in this one. I'd go, I'll go two-one for Netherlands. And the final, and the game, final game, Ukraine Austria. Nil-nil. Yeah. Um, uh, pretty confident <laughs> in that. That intake of air was leading to something really exciting. <laughs> I mean, I've just been, I've been speaking to Lee for a, a long time over the past sort of month, well, a, a few, fair few times, and um, just the way he says that Austria set up, it just seems perfect for Ukraine, who get a lot of chances but are quite poor at converting them, um, potentially ending up with, you know, not scoring any but not conceding any. It's all just been an act of deception, Andrew. I'm, I'm trying to lower, lower you into a full sense of security. Um, I can I can see a goalless draw in this one as well. So, um, yeah, I'll say nil-nil. For me, I'm going to say I, I think Austria will win that one 2-0. I think Austria – I mean, I think Ukraine is tougher for us and in, in the Netherlands, but I think actually Austria matches up well with Ukraine. I could see Austria winning that 2-0. I'm going to go with uh, a 2-2 two -two draw. Um, we've not discussed that Austria have about a seven-foot striker so far, so I'll say he'll, he'll score one of the goals in that game as well. And that, that actually then does the, does the group. And I, I actually kept kept track of what you were trying to say, guys. And I know that, that Alexander was given a few different kinds of results, but looking at his predictions, it could be wide open, this group. I mean, every team's got three, four, five or six points. <laughs> <laughs> As I said earlier, I think whoever wins this group is going to have five. I could see one win and two draws being enough to top the groups. I think five or six points, whoever has five or six should win the group. And I do believe when it's all said and done, this group will send three to the round of 16 because I believe you're going to have the leader probably five. Second and third will probably be four points. And then the last place probably one or two points. But I think this group will send three, but it's not going to be like nine, three, zero, zero. It's going to be basically five, four, four, two, something like that. It's going to be, but it's going to be, a, I think, a wild group. And then, and then um, I think Andrew's gone pretty, pretty classic with having Ukraine and Netherlands pretty out ahead. It's ended up with Ukraine with seven, Netherlands with six, North Macedonia with three, and Austria with one. Could be enough to take North Macedonia through. <laughs> and, I would uh, love to see us finish second, actually, because 
Whoever finishes second crazy. is guaranteed to face Italy in in uh, Group A because they're going to win Group A. And then how about a send-off for Pandev facing Italy in the round of 16 in Rome, Stadio Olimpico, where he made his name with Lazio. So I would love to see that finishing second. And then if he plays, if this is his last couple of games, I would love to see Pandev last game against Italy at the Stadio Olimpico round of 16. That would be kind of a fairy tale ending for him. Lee, you bizarrely got Mouth Macedonia finishing top of the group. <laughs> <laughs> and you train seconds. <laughs> I stand by it. <laughs> and, and Mike's gone classic uh, with Netherlands finishing top. Would you expect anything less? Uh, Ukraine second. Austria, North Macedonia with very low points. No wins, third and fourth. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think like the, having this conversation today, it does sound like this group could be very wide open. There's not much optimism for Austria, but there's a lot of fear about North Macedonia. It seems to be happening now. And it sounds like Ukraine can, can always f- fire a blank, even though they seem like a very good side. So it could be interesting. I think the Netherlands sh- should still be the favourites on paper. I think we can all agree on that. It's whether De Boer's impact is going to be great enough for them to suffer. <laughs> suffer as much as, as they has been. Um, the, the formation they've been trying to do just seem to suit strengths of certain players, but also really not of others. And uh, there's been some questions in asking um, like who, who might start for the Netherlands. I guess just to, just to finish off, because we've been going a little while now, we've had a lot of people watching the whole way through, so I'm hoping they enjoyed enjoy what we were doing. And if so, I hope they do like this podcast um, and subscribe if they're new. But yeah, uh, there's a few things of people saying them um, like, uh, just a quick question to Mike, I suppose, about the Netherlands. Mike, what do you think about this? Donny van der Beek was injured and De Boer didn't cut up a replacement. He decided that that wasn't necessary. Yeah, it's mental. Um, the fact that there's, this is COVID, this um, a COVID tournament, and you've got one extra place that you could call somebody in. Um, you could have them training apart from the squad for a wee while and then join even later in the, the tournament. And he decides not to call anyone. I think it's absolutely crazy. I know Spain have done something similar. Um, I don't know if that's changed after their COVID outbreak. But, yeah, I think if you have that extra spot and you don't decide to use it, it's it's crazy. Because it's not as if the Netherlands don't have players to call in. Um, they could have done El Ghazi, Bergvine. Um, you could even went Tony Valheno was in the, uh, the provisional squad, Strootman. Karsdorp, you only picked one right back and he's playing 5-3-2. So Karsdorp could have been in there. Tete could have been in there. It's just... It's beggar's belief why he's done it, and we'll see if it comes back to the impact and weight in the tournament if there's a little mini outbreak in the, the squad. But Karsdorp would have been a good option just to to have that alternative to Dumfries on, all right? Yeah, yeah. And Matt was asking who the goalkeeper should be for the tournament. I, I think it's going to be Steckelenburg. He's very safe for hands, has been at Ajax this season. And he will be the goalkeeper. I don't think he's gonna he's gonna make a mistake. Tim Crawley just get that impression that he might. So I'm hoping that he doesn't start in goal. Otherwise, one of the three teams in this group can take advantage of that. And uh, someone put forward their their lineup suggestion for the Netherlands. This is probably how they're going to shape up actually for the tournament with Schellenberg in goal, the back five with Delict and Devry, with Daly Blimp being the football in sort of centre half in that defence. Um, Vine down Dumfries are, are full-backs from the Netherlands they, they play very attacking that's probably why they've put as wing-backs in this formation and yet De Jong Vine Alden with De Rome being that midfield three De Rome strangely being a defensive midfielder in front of a back five seems very negative and frankly De Jong being pushed forwards in the midfield and then yeah Memphis Depay and Weghorst up front it's it's a decent lineup, but just in a strange shape <laughs> we would have expected this about a month ago before the tournament 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if, before we finish, guys, if, if anyone's watching has really enjoyed this, again, please do like what we, we're doing here. And do go and find these guys on Twitter if, you, if you're on there and, and um, get invested in what they do. We've got, we've got some brilliant football experts here, and it's great that we're all doing this in English too. So it's, it's great there's a very international feel to this. But yeah, I mean, should we go through? I mean, Alexander, would you like to start? Who, who are you and, and how can people follow you and get to know you? Well, my name is Alexander Zlatesky, like you said, and you can follow me on Macedonian Footy on Twitter. So that's where you can find me. And Lee, how about you? Yeah, I'm one of three Brits based in Vienna who does the Other Bundesliga podcast. So we're on, on Twitter at Other Bundesliga. Andrew. And I'm Andrew Todos. Um, I run Zoria Londonsk on Twitter and Instagram. Um, just English language resource about Ukrainian football. And we've got um, we're relaunching our pod. We're relaunching our current English language Ukrainian podcast tomorrow as a brand new brand. Can't really say it now. But if you follow my Twitter tomorrow, you'll see we've got a brand new Ukraine episode with um, a Dutch based Ukrainian ex footballer. Um, Yevhen Levchenko is going to be joining us um, and also um, a few other people there. So um, please do listen in if you are interested in that. Brilliant. And, and in case anyone's new to the football and your podcast and is getting to Dutch football, Mike, who are we? Yeah, we're all football and you. Um... English speaking, English writing, Dutch football website will cover all the Euros, all the Eredivisie action. That'll be a big, big summer for us when everyone's back in the major tournament for the first time in, in years. So, yeah, if you want any Dutch football news, we'll follow the national team in English. Give us a follow um, on our personal accounts and the Football Rania Twitter account and website. Brilliant. And this podcast is, of course, out on YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. So if you want to listen or watch in a different way we, we we video ourselves on youtube but you can also download the podcast on soundcloud if you're out and about but also on itunes that's always the case now with the podcasts um and yeah go and find us on twitter and follow what we do follow the website follow the youtube follow the twitter and thanks everyone for watching um and thanks big big thanks to lee alexander and andrew for joining us uh, on this special podcast and Good luck to you all in the tournament um, in, and hopefully one of you can finish second behind the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> Should be careful with our optimism. But yeah, thanks everyone for watching and thanks to you guys for joining.